Amen and amen again. There is nobody greater than him. He is the great I am. Good evening to you, saints. Grace, peace, and mercy from God our Father and his precious Son, Jesus Christ, to you. We are here together again to worship our Father and Jesus Christ in spirit and in truth. We'll be looking at Matthews 22 this evening. That is Matthews 22, and we'll start with verse 1. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son. If we were to compare the preparation of the kingdom, we would see and understand the king being the father and the son being Jesus, who is about to receive his bride, that is New Jerusalem, and sent forth his servant to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings, and are killed, and all things are ready come unto the marriage. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. Father God is inviting us to come and join. Receive Christ is an invitation. It is a choice, not a demand. Just as it was up to you to attend a wedding, you are invited to. It is also up to you to receive Christ. Just as we are bidden to come and receive his son, it means to prepare for the soon coming of Christ. So while we are here, we are prepping ourselves, preparing our bodies that we may be received by him or of him. Verse 6 says, And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. Meaning, those that heard, some of them took what was being said lightly and went about their business. Just like many that hear the gospel of the kingdom today. They take what is being said lightly by saying, He delays his coming. Or I don't believe all of that. Then there are those who are not satisfied and treat those that share the gospel with harsh words and abuse them. They hate God and can only express it by hating you. Verse 7 said, But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth. And he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. This represents the coming destruction of Jerusalem in which the Jews rejected Christ and the gospel. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Verse 8 tells us the wedding is ready, meaning the soon coming king is ready to take his bride, but those who were asked and refused are not worthy. God only knows the day and time that the will that he will send Christ. Today the Jews are not word are not the only ones rejecting Christ. Salvation is now 
given to the Gentiles as well. Go, they, go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid them to the marriage. This points out the final rejection of the Jews and the calling of the Gentiles. It was the custom of the Jews that when a rich man made a feast, he would go out and invite in all destitute or poor travelers. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. The rejection by the Jews means the gospel is now offered to as many as will receive him, good or bad. And God is a forgiving God that will refuse none. And when the king came in to, the, and to, to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he said unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him, hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The man without the wedding garment represents everyone that is not clothed with the robe of righteousness. Those that know him yes. not or have not his, self, his character. Anyone who pretends to be a Christian, including the hypocrites and imposters, they shall be cast into hell and the lake of fire in the end. Remember, Jesus said this, hypocrites, first take the beam out of your own eye. And not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that does the will of my father, which is in heaven. Verse 14 tells us, for many are called. But few are chosen. One writer said, out of all to whom the good news has come, only a small number will get salvation. Mm -hmm. Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. And they sent out, they sent out unto him their disciples with the Herodians saying, Master, we know that thou art true. And teachest the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not the person of men. They wanted to entangle Jesus in his speech. Just like they want to entangle you today. But they were about to get entangled in their own words. Verse 17 says, Tell us therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? What was not known was the Pharisees were against paying tribute to Caesar. They took upon themselves to be free people. But the Herodians were for it. And Herod being made by the Roman emperor was all for having the Jews pay tribute to Caesar also. So here the question is asked that both religions don't agree on. If Jesus agreed with the Pharisees, it would seem as if he was against the Herodians. If Jesus agreed with the Herodians, it would say he was against the Pharisees. But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? Show me the tribute money. And they brought 
unto him a penny. And he said unto them, Whose is this image and superscription? Superscription. They said unto him, Caesar's. Then said he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. When they had heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. Just as they tried to trap Jesus, there are those that are up to no good. They will try to trap you and have no good reason for meaning behind it. Just having the pleasure of saying, I got you. Verse 23 says, the same day came to him the Sadducees, which say that there is no resurrection and asked him, saying, Master, Moses said, if a man die, having no children, his brother should marry his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. At this point, they were trying to get Jesus to agree with them. But why, but why ask a question about the resurrection if you don't believe in yourself? yourself? Now, therefore, now there were with us seven brethren. And the first, when he had mar married a wife, deceased and having no issue, left his wife unto his brother. Likewise, the second also and the third unto the seventh. And last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, which they didn't believe, whose wife shall she be of the seven? For they all had her. Jesus answered and said unto them, You do err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. Have you ever come across someone who will talk with you, and as you listen to them, you find they have no idea what the word says? But the only way you know is because you know the word. For example, the, the, they still call God the good man upstairs. They still think Adam ate an apple. In verse 30, Jesus tells them, For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have ye not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his doctrine. Mind you, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were all being showed up in front of a multitude. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. They are now all teaming up on him. For your sake, saints, I will say, don't think because you know a few scriptures that you can take on the world and religion. God does not need us to defend him or his word. He needs us to read it and obey it. Verse 35, then one of them, which was a lawyer, which was a lawyer, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, master, at least they get that right. Mm -hmm. 
which is the great commandment in the law. They are attempting to throw the scriptures at Jesus to see if he knew them. And that it and that is the problem today. Many are not aware of what the scriptures say. Others are not aware of what they mean. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. What they did not understand then, and many don't today, when you do these two commandments Jesus is talking about, you actually keep the entire ten that is spoken. But watch how Jesus handles everything. Verse 41, 41, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, what think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? They said unto him, the son of David. He said unto them, how then doth David in spirit call him Lord, saying, the Lord shall, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then called him Lord, how is he his son? And no man was able to answer him a word, neither durst any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. Jesus put them to silence and shame. Can we just see from this example why we need to learn and study about Jesus? And not all these religious acts. We need to prepare ourselves for the soon coming king who is coming to adorn himself to his bride. We need to study to show ourselves approved of God. Galatians 4 and 26 said, Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. Revelations 21 and 2 said, And I, John, saw the holy city. New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And Revelations 19, 7 and 8 tells us, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the lamb is come and his wife has made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. Jesus is coming back for his bride, which is New Jerusalem, and we are the fine linen or the clothing for it. We must prepare ourselves for his return. This means we must do as Paul begs us to do in Romans 12, 1 and 2, where he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. It is our duty, our responsibility, that we may be ready when Jesus comes back. We must put on that robe of righteousness, we must know how 
to wear the character of God. With that, my time is up, and I thank you for yours.